You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Well, I'm sure that you've seen this month these three words, seeding tomorrow today. Actually, it's a concept that is very foreign in the world in which we live. In fact, we're taught today to live every moment for the moment. It's kind of like, you know what, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. But the Bible spins it around and actually begins to communicate to all of us that you will never find significance if you just live for you. That whole concept of legacy is about the fact that you were designed by God to make a difference in other people's lives. You know, who would have ever believed that God would call us as a church by the end of 2020 to be putting in more than $20 million per annum in a community need. And we're well underway. In fact, I was told this week, we're already this year doing between 4 and $5 million into the needs that people have in everyday lives and the difference that we can make. And if you're visiting here at Life once a year for as long as I can remember is we've taken up a special offering because it is founded on this thought that we are called to live a legacy. But to live a legacy, we need to invest into one. It's kind of like God wants us to realize that life doesn't just have an impact on another life unless you lean into that. How many know if you meet a friendly person, they're usually the kind of person that has understood they've had to be friendly first to have a friendly response. There's a lot of sour, no, don't point at anyone, but there's a lot of sour people around. And uh, we feel like there is a call over life, come on, to be the kind of church that doesn't just have Sunday services, but actually we're here to create a legacy. God is positioning us on a mountain that as we break through and learn to climb that mountain, others are going to believe they can climb their mountain. And that's why we're so excited and that's why we get so pumped. The thought that my life could create a generational echo. I remember years ago reading Proverbs, Proverbs 13 and verse 22. And I'm not sure today how you would define a good person to be. But Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. In other words, good is defined by the kind of human being that doesn't just live for themselves, the here and now, but is always aware of the impact lessons learned, blessings received, can have on generations with that echo. And that's where our liberty and our significance begins to be formed. And the enemy always attacks and tries to weaken the kind of impact that we can have on others. Over the years, many people have said to me and Marie, we've been here at life. We started life 25 years ago. It's like, why? It's kind of like, why do you keep on going like you do? (laughs) Why do you always kind of take the next step? Why? Do you always seem to kind of challenge yourself and others to not park and settle where it's easy? And I go, as long as there are people that need to know, come on, there's a God that can meet their need and bring an answer to their life and cause them to discover the reason for their existence. We're going to keep climbing mountains. Come on, we're going to keep believing for more. We're going to keep believing that we can touch this world with a God echo of supreme importance. And seriously, today, I want to, again, really go there out of my heart to your heart to go, 
You know, there is, I believe, for all of us, a question that God is asking. As we saw last week, that legacy is not a pretty word or a nice color. It's not even a great topic just to talk about. No, legacy lives an eternal view. It's kind of like legacy people don't, don't just park, even if it's tough with what's tough. They go, no, but what will the outcome of this be? You know, if I start looking at where I am today from an eternal perspective, something begins to shift that I realize that God can take everything that I'm in. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 112 and verse 1 says these words, come on, let's praise the Lord. Because blessed is the man, the woman who fears the Lord and delights greatly in his wonderful, powerful commandments. Come on. And then get this, his descendants, his legacy will be mighty on the earth. You know, if you've got children, I want to, again, encourage you. Don't just look at the noise they make and the frustration they are at times. The fact that they don't do what they're told all the time. But you know what? You've got to speak. Hey, you will be great on the earth. You're going to be mighty on the earth because I'm going to take the things that I've learned and I'm going to invest them into you and I'm going to lay a platform for the generations that follow me. And so legacy lives in eternal view. And secondly, legacy not only lives that eternal view, but embraces self-denial. It's kind of like you just don't bring change for the sake of change. Often people say to me, why, why is it that we keep doing the impossible? It's because we serve a God of the impossible. And I want you to capture this. If, if you climb the mountain, God's asking you to climb. Do you know what? You're going to empower others to believe they can climb theirs. <laughs> I love what Billy Graham said. He said, courage is contagious. Come on, if you're online, courage is contagious. In fact, when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of many others are often stiffened. It's just like, come on, we're in a moment in history. This moment won't be repeated, but it's a moment that God said, would we live a legacy? Would we believe that our lives can really make a difference? Let's go to week two of our video. I know you're going to enjoy it.
I love the fact that every generation, including this generation, has been given a God opportunity to create a generational echo. Proverbs 13.22 says this, A good man, a good woman, a good church leaves an inheritance to its children's children. Many times I've had people stop and ask me, how would we ever raise 20 million every year into the community? I say that's just the beginning point. I think it comes from this thought. All we need to do is say yes to God. In fact, our response is to be a response not to the vision, not to somebody else asking us to do something, but legacy is when we hear from God and say, God, we're all in. That's how it began for us over 25 years ago. Yeah, I still vividly remember that feeling when we left Australia. You know, there was an apprehension because we knew it was God, but we still had to do it. <laughs> and we wheeled our three little boys into the <laughs> Auckland airport. We had our luggage and the, the boys, the older ones sitting on top of the luggage, baby under Paul's arm and his family waiting for us at the other end. But it was, a, it was an exciting feeling, but at the same time, apprehensive to know Oh, what, what does this mean? We just know God wants us here and we will do it, whatever you want, God. But the reality at the other end was, was a little bit daunting, wasn't it? Well, that's legacy. Legacy is when you hear from God and God says, come on, I want to create something that has this generational echo. And it happened not just to us, but many of us today are where we're at because somebody said yes. So many people have experienced the other side of legacy because of someone else's yes. This next couple, you'll know, when it came to God speaking, they just said yes. Passport asked to meet with us, and we had just that week uh, signed uh, the contract for a new home, our dream home, and we were so excited about it. And I think we opened up that meeting with, you know, sharing with Pastor Paul what had happened and what God had done. And then the next thing we knew, uh, Pastor Paul was putting to us, uh, you know, would, would we consider and pray about moving to Melbourne? We know the motive in the heart of Pastor Paul and Marie has only ever been God's purpose and people's lives outworked. And so, you know, I was like, if, if God's spoken to you, that's enough for me. I'll, I'll go on that. And, and he said, you know, I love that, that's nice, but <laughs> you can't do that. He said, mm. you've got to know from God mm. if this is a God thing for you guys. And I think that's when I first prayed about it. For me, it was different. I, I found it really hard to hear from God during that time because it was such, a, oh, it was such an emotional decision, um, leaving everything, leaving family which is massive. And, uh, and so I, um, I said to God, God, I'm really struggling to hear you on this. And so I need, um, I, if this is really you, I need to hear incredibly clearly. We had two prophetic words that week from people that had no idea what was going on. And I said to God at that point, okay, God, if this is you, I'm, I'm gonna say yes. And as soon as I did that, the peace came. And so there's always, I think, you know, moving to Melbourne, it hasn't been easy. There's always been tough times. But you look back now and you know God's hand's been on it. We left on a Sunday morning um, from New Zealand and we got to 
uh, what was the existing Melbourne campus and we actually went in and closed that service. That was the last service for that campus uh, and location and then the next week we were opening in the new one. And so we had a hotel um, just down the road from the new location in North Melbourne for three nights, I think it was. And so we literally just went, dropped our bags after the service and then went back and started unpacking the first, uh, the Mooney Ponds venue. I think probably slept on average two to three hours a night for that <laughs> first week and we couldn't get anywhere to live. And so then another family uh, who actually weren't coming to life at the time opened their doors and said, you need to live with us. And so we lived with them for another two months. Yeah, and then it just a God orchestrated thing. We got a rental about four or five months into actually being here. So it was the first time after five months we actually got to be a family in our own home. You know, and I think it's that whole thing. It's like, yeah, we, God's on it. It's awesome. And God is totally on it. And he was amazingly awesome. But the, the word easy didn't come into it. I see life as being a place I pray would be known as that church. You know, whether they know the name or life or not, they know it's that church and, you know, and that church helps and that church is when people walk into and because the spirit will go, man, I'm home. Like, it's, this is it, I'm home. That, that feeling I had when I walked into Central, you know, when it had only just been a couple of months built and we walked in the first time, I was like, home. Yeah. This is that feeling everybody yeah. talks about. You know, there's so many things that you can achieve in this life um, that really, like, builds a trophy for your name but there's nothing that compares to building something that lasts well beyond you. It's amazing, like self promises so much and when you surrender to it and give into it, it's amazing how empty it feels. But then, you know, when you come to living a legacy, it can seem like such a sacrifice, but when you step into it, it's amazing how incredibly rewarding it is compared to living for self. I think there's a lot of people that God's going, mate, I want to take you from five to 10. I want to take you from 10 to 20. You know, I want to take you from one to two. Um, you know, would you put it in my soil? Would you put it in my kingdom? And would you watch me multiply it? From the young people through to those senior of years who have maybe really years earlier given so much and really forged away, I just feel like God's saying, hey, for every generation, for every age, it's not over. Don't count yourself out. Let's count ourselves in. And, um, and I, I think it's just about to ramp uh, to somewhere we haven't seen before. I've always loved the heart of Craig and Nadia and the expectation and leaning that they've always had for more, to see God and a desire to see God for more, even though it costs something. It's true. You know, our response to God's asking is not just about us doing it. It's actually even more than this just ethereal thing of saying, well, I want to create a legacy. No, there are decisions that other people make based on our yes response. And I love that about God. I love the fact that we are here positioned 2017 at a time in history which God has entrusted those talents of time. And God's saying, do you realize if you say yes, how many people can be impacted? We've heard Craig and Nadia's story, but I wonder if we really understand the legacy that's created on the other side of their yes. Because of their yes, it's true today. Others are finding relationship with Jesus and finding a home, a church to call home. So I was working as a planner in Auckland. Was a little bit bored, wasn't really being fulfilled with what I was doing. And I had an amazing mentor and she sent me an email and she said, oh, there's this job going in Melbourne, a six-month secondment. You should apply for it. 
two weeks later, I moved to Melbourne. It was lonely. The first couple of months were really tough, knowing no one. I loved work. I loved the city. I loved going out every weekend. But at the same time, I was on the phone to home a lot. I was, I was struggling a bit. Easter weekend last year was probably my lowest point. I was pretty lonely. Easter had always been a family time. It was my niece's first Easter and I wasn't there for it. It was great, I was getting pictures from the family, but it made it tougher knowing what I was missing out on. My close group of friends had all gone away for the weekend, having an amazing time, you know, getting videos from them telling me that they miss me, but being able to do nothing about it. And I went for a walk around a park near my house and I just cried because I was so lonely and I didn't know what to do. I'd had some friends in Auckland that were involved in Life Church that had often said, oh, I'll come along, but there'd always been a reason to not go. I'd always had sport or I'd always found some excuse. I'd, I'd fallen away from church a lot while I was at uni. There was just so much else going on in life and I tried to, you know, fill my life with so many other things. And then I just had this really strong calling to find out if there was a Life Church. And I got back to the apartment and looked it up and found out that there is a life in Melbourne and decided that I was going to go the next day and Easter Sunday. I it was an hour-long trek catching two trams to get here, um, but I made it. I've always seen that God works through people and coming into life, that was something I, I challenged God with was, you know, if you're here, if this is where I'm supposed to be, show me yourself through people, show me yourself through the people that are at this church. You know, bring someone to me that really shows me who you are. And I was standing in the foyer and I was, I was having a chat with him and I was, you know, just again repeating it. If you're here, God, you know, just show me yourself through someone. And that's right when Sophie walked up to me. Sophie said, you know, come with me and my sister and my mum's here for the weekend and, you know, come and grab lunch with us, have a chat and get to know us. and then we can take you home afterwards and just had an amazing afternoon getting to know some friends in Melbourne. There's always sacrifice and, you know, for, for Pastor Craig and Nadia moving over here, there's so much sacrifice. But I guess unless you're prepared to make sacrifice, you may miss out on something bigger, something, something more. And so what are we sacrificing if we don't step out? I find it incredible that Kirsten asked the question, is there a church called Life in this city? I think the truth is that had she asked that question of any other city in the world, apart from Auckland and Melbourne, the answer would have been no. But for her, the answer was yes. And it was yes because somebody responded to what God asked them to do. And that's legacy. Legacy has a reach far beyond what we could ever imagine. And God uses our yes to create that platform, that foundation for somebody else to stand. And I think for all of us, there is a challenge for us to live beyond ourselves. Here's a big question. What are you currently doing? What am I currently doing that actually is creating a legacy beyond myself, beyond my here and now? Because in legacy, there is an echo that goes generationally. You know, I remember in those early years, we encouraged everyone to go on an international missions trip, not just to make you feel good or what it's going to do for you, but beyond our response to say yes to God, it always, there's somebody that needs hope. And that's the amazing thing about stepping out of ourself and our comfort zone and responding to God. 
And for all of us, it's kind of like that's where legacy begins. It's realizing we can create something that goes on and on and on and on. And then secondly, positioning ourselves at a point where we are going, God, what do you want? We know what we've been called to do as a church. We've got some big mountains and opportunities here through what God is doing in Auckland and Melbourne. But more than that, what do you want for me? Because when you know you can create something that goes on and on, and then you say yes, God then says, all right, you need to understand the wonder of what your yes will open up. I don't think we can go past this next story to hear how God has used life, those that have committed so far through H4 and now legacy, to be able to create a platform that others can see an incredible harvest. Let's hear from Jesse in Cambodia. What you've been doing here and Pastor Paul and Marie have been doing at Life, uh, your guys' reputation is around the world, but it was through Pastor Scott uh, making a visit there to Cambodia. I believe the purpose of his visit was to kind of seek out, all right, where's some good soil, where, where's something that uh, is really making kind of a national impact there. Uh, and so it's through a visit uh, that began the relationship a good six, seven years ago now. There's really been kind of three key areas that uh, you guys here at Life have come alongside and uh, really strategically invested into. Uh, one is with regards to what we're doing there in the city, building a church that is reaching the capital city of, of, of Cambodia, Phnom Penh, a city of over three million people, which is impacting the nation. That access uh, to the nuts and bolts of church uh, that you guys do here has just been unparalleled. The sad history of Cambodia is that they haven't had a lot of opportunities. Unfortunately, they've been through a lot of atrocities. So what life has been doing with what we call the next step houses, which are dormitories for young people that are coming in from the countryside, kids that have grown up in orphanages as well and they hit 18 and they don't know where to go, and then also young women that have been rescued from trafficking. This is one of the key initiatives that, that life has been behind. And then I'd say the final thing is uh, hundreds and hundreds of communities and villages being completely unreached villages and seeing life-giving churches planted in those communities. And so uh, when we began the relationship several years ago, we had around 60 churches. We now have 200 churches, and we're in the process of planting 500 additional churches. There are times, there are seasons, there are what we would call kairos or God-given moments. I believe Cambodia is in one of those moments. It's the second most receptive nation to the gospel in the world. Uh, and so the people are just wide open looking for answers. And I believe we have the opportunity to build a legacy of God's kingdom amongst the Cambodian people. This isn't just charity. This isn't just benevolence. This is kingdom partnership saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to take part in this 
and I want some of that fruit. And I want some of that to be part of my legacy. And I want this to, to, to go with me both here and in eternity. Ultimately, our fulfillment and purpose comes when we, when we know that our lives are counting for something eternal. Not just living for ourselves, but living with others in mind. That's what legacy is all about. Yeah, I think legacy can never be limited just to our own backyard. It's the taking of who we are and what God's blessed us with and investing in great soil that will create an eternal harvest. When you think about our legacy offering, if you're new to life, it's about the fact that we are committed to seeing 20 million every year go into community need. And that's only three and a half years away to our 2020 vision. Not only that, but for the kingdom, that we would be the kind of people, the kind of church that would blow wind into other ministries sail, help build other churches, other paradigms of ministry that we would say, well done, and we can help in some way. For our facilities, it's more than buildings. Some people say, well, why do we need to build buildings? Because we need to create a home, not just for those of us that are here at life, but those that are yet to come. A place that tells them God cares, that God's committed to a great future. But legacy needs partnership. It can't happen with one or two. As we began today by saying, every generation has been given a God opportunity to create a generational echo, to build something of eternal value. But it's our partnership that makes the difference. I wanna encourage you not to look at what's in your hand and see it as small, but see it as seed. See it as something that can touch other people's lives. Again, if you've been blessed, that you would consider what God is saying to you. Because when God says it and we say yes, the miracle is another Kirsten finding God. It's someone else discovering that God was with them all the time. Our yes, our response to God's call creates a future that will change lives forever. Together, why don't we create a legacy that will see 2020 be all God has asked us to see. Come on, I think God deserves some more praise than that for all that He's doing. You know, I've seen that video a couple of times, but just stopping and watching, I just feel this emotion in my spirit, you know, just begin to rise. As you begin to feel again the weight of God's heart for people. You know, and the fact that the enemy rips us off so often. The enemy uses religion to rip many people off. But kind of, I was watching Craig and Nadia, I remember that day that I said, hey, would you come in and I want to talk to you about something? You know, their hearts was just so much. Whether you're online, another campus this morning, it's kind of like their hearts were just like, hey, we'll go ask God. And I suppose my question is for all of us, no matter where we're at in our journey with God, when, when was the last time we really positioned ourselves 
to hear from Him. Because when you hear from Him, the fear that surrounds our natural dissipates. And faith begins to rise and you begin to see what's in front of you so differently, what's around you so differently. You know, can I take a moment just to talk to those that have been Christians for a while? How much of your yes is currently being echoed in the lives of other people? You know, as you, we're honored to lead what I believe is a divine moment. Saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming out to pray Monday, Wednesday, and Monday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I just saw them just praying for people and praying for the future. And I thought, God, there's so many of your kids that are so wrapped up in there now. Imagine the difference if we just said yes. If we took one little word with three letters and just said, God, if you want it, I want to live the kind of life that has an eternal view. I'm going to be prepared to die to self if that's going to help someone else. You know, I've discovered this, that legacy actually invests tomorrow's or or invests today's seed for tomorrow. You know, sometimes you feel like people just don't understand. It's kind of like, well, it's all right for you. And I go, what's, what's all right for us? You know, some people say, oh, you know what? We'll never, how would we ever raise 20 million per annum plus for community need? We'd never do that. And then there's the other side. Oh, we'll do it easy. And I go, it's neither. If you think it's going to be easy, you haven't climbed many mountains. But if it's God, 25 years ago when Marie and I were in Sydney and God said, I want you to do something for me. And when we began to hear what was in God's heart, that we would come to New Zealand, the place of my birth and start a church, I was like, God, I'll serve you, but I don't have that kind of ability. But if you want it, yeah. And then when we decided, yes, it was like, well, how will we get there? We have to fly. We, we don't have any money in the bank. Oh, we've got a car, an older car. It's got $4,000 worth of value. We'll use that for tickets. And what's left, we'll take as much furniture or our personal belongings as we can. Three kids under five. It wasn't the right season. I didn't feel capable. When God said, would you start something in the city of Auckland around Christmas time? And we did the first carols in the park. The church was three years old. It was impossible. But we just said yes. Because we understood the seeds we hold don't seem great, but it's the smallest of seeds. Come on, they create the greatest of harvest. In fact, I wrote this down, I think it was last night, that our greatest miracles already exist within dormant seeds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I want to be a part of creating a legacy. It's kind of like, well, then you have to, I have to, again, be positioned and say, God, if, is this what you're asking? Then I'm responding with a yes. I'm responding and I'm going, all right, God, I'm in. See, the enemy would try for all of us and belittle who we are. And I think it's a healthy thing to realize that in yourself, you don't have the ability to do what God wants you to do. But come on, with the breath of God, you've got to begin to say, no, 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 devil. It's one seed that can create a, a harvest that changes a city and a nation. It's just one seed that has a yes attached to it. What do you mean? As, as one church, you're believing to raise 20 million plus per annum for people. How would you do that? With the seeds that we have today. That's how we'll do it. That's how we'll believe God to work. Found myself again reading John 15 this week. It's the story of the vine and the branches and fruit and the, the caretaker being the father. And in verse 16, you know what Jesus said? He said, you realize that you didn't choose me. I actually chose you. I realize where you're sitting right now in your lounge room and in the South Campus, in the North Campus, here at Central, I see where you're at and I chose you. Listen to this. I designed you. I set you apart. I appointed you not to live on Struggle Street the rest of your life, not just to live in cruise mode because once you did something great for God, but I chose you that you should go and bear fruit. Well, what's a fruit tree? No longer do they live their lives for themselves. Everything's about what they can produce for someone else. And listen to this, and that your fruit would remain. It would go generationally. That there'd be an echo of your yes. Come on in Cambodia. There'll be an echo of your yes. And families that have been broken, there'll be an echo of your yes. Even when you looked at yourself and said, I, I ain't got much I can do. And the enemy says, what's the point? You, it won't make a difference. And God says, oh, won't it? It was one breath from my mouth that created, come on, man. One seed. Yeah, but what could I do? I learned a long time ago, I found myself, Marie and I, early married years, we just want to make a difference with God and, you know, there was an ask that came in our church in Sydney. We need to expand because we're growing. We need a new facility. Would you pray about what you could do? Marie and I began to pray. Luke was just under two and Marie was, I think, pregnant with Nathan. And we got before God said, God, what do you want to do in this season? I was on back then a very small salary in church running the beginning of a youth ministry and God said I, I want you to commit to giving $30,000 over the next three years that was more than our annual salary how would we do it how would we live on two thirds of what we've received to this point and I found myself in Haggai chapter one where God speaks to his people and says, kind of like a, an encouragement, but a bit of a reprimand. And he says, all your focus about is your house. All you're living for is your life. All you're focusing in is on your dream and my house is in ruins. 
would you leave the focus of your own life and go up into the mountain and would you bring the trees down and build my house? And I realised something today that I never realised back then that did you realise everything we need for what God commissions us to do is already there? It's already there. It's not like, well, how would I do what God asks us to do here? I am 28 years of age. One salary to God saying, you do it. It's like, well, how, how could we? We couldn't do it. I said to Marie, we're going to go and get wood because that's what Haggai says. So I remember putting in an order for 50 sheets, 2,400 by 1,200 MDF boards. And I got a new saw and I got a router and I got a sander and I made coffee tables hundreds of coffee tables sprayed them with lacquer after I'd finished at the church I'd come home at night and I'd begin to work on the coffee tables after Marie put Luke to bed she'd come out and hold the wood as we cut it and sanded it we drilled it our only day off was Saturday we'd go on Saturdays out to Parkley Markets west of Sydney and we'd sell them and everyone that bought it we sang hallelujah they look good. I remember bringing some of the leftover wood to Auckland in the container because there was room. I want you to look at me today. If God asks you to do something, the wood's already there. Here's God's challenge. We don't position ourselves to hear. We, we allow the enemy to, to cause us to look at the seed, not the harvest that comes from it. To look at our past, not the future that God has created. Come on. Could we believe that we will become, by God's grace, a church that's going to stand in the middle of society here in Aotearoa? Because men and, you, men and women like you and I just continue to say yes. Craig and Nadia continue to say yes. We just said yes, yes, yes. See, here's the final thought for today is that legacy always partners with obedience. Legacy is not a series. It's not a picture book. It's not a nice sounding word on its own. It's, it's an obedient response. Some of you know that the reason we're wanting to pay off our first stage of development in our new central building is so that we can release guaranteed more than $20 million every year for our community initiatives. We'll need to raise $45 million to be able to do that. You might go, well, how could we, one church, raise $45 million in three years? You know, I felt as I was fasting and praying, God says, you haven't seen anything yet. I saw this incredible mountain. I saw God standing on top of it. And he says, I'm already there. Then as we've prayed it through, we feel like God's given us a strategy. We're going to break down the 45 million into three lots of 15 million. And we're going to believe that God is going to raise up within life, come on, 3,000 legacy partners over the next three and a half years that go, you know what, I'm not just here to come to church and learn. I'm come to bring my yes and to create an echo that's going to go generationally. 
In fact, right now, across all of the campuses, if you're online, you can talk to Pastor Reuben. But if you weren't here last week, we'd like to hand out our legacy journals. And again, this is no way a commitment. It just tells you a little bit about what we're doing and the pathway that we feel God's given us. So if you didn't get one last week, just put your hand up nice and high. We'll get one of those too. You can take it home this week and take some time over a coffee to have a read through it. And uh, if there are other people you'd like to pass one on to, you could take one for them. But we're going to believe God that God is going to do amazing things. You go, how are we going to do this? I'm a real believer that if God's got a, a promise, He's got a pathway. And so we're going to believe, let's go to the first slide. We're going to believe that we are going to see 3,000 legacy partners raised up, made up of two categories of people. The first we're calling Gideon's 300. It comes from the story of Judges 7 where God calls 300 particular assigned people. They're going to be people that have a huge financial capacity, have got great faith in finances that are going to believe over three and a half years that they're going to actually raise amongst them Get this, $30 million. And then there are going to be 2,700, what we're calling legacy builders, that are going to raise $15 million over the next three and a half years. So an average of around $5 million. You go, wow, how could we do that? Let's go to the screen. If we talk about Gideon's 300, they're going to be broken into the financial forerunners and the financial leaders. Both of them are going to pray into, believe God, to cause them to discover wood, inspire other people. To be able to raise $15 million each, it's going to take someone to do something ginormous over three and a half years. Come on. It's going to take a number of us to do something around a million dollars over the three and a half years, half a million, quarter of a million over three and a half years. The 270 financial leaders, anywhere between 40,000 and 150,000 over the three and a half years, they're going to believe God. And, you know, sometimes you go, wow. It just seems impossible. It's not impossible. People have got that capacity. Don't forget, hey, we're in a season where you get 33% back. Let me go on record as saying it's not going to stay forever. The government are offering to pay for a third of the building right now. That's not just a joke. It's like this is the season. Go to the 2,700. Come on, financial or legacy builders. We're going to believe that through that 2,700 core group, we're going to raise at least 5 million through each year. We've broken that down. Numbers of us could commit. It would be a sacrifice, but 4,000 a year. You know, I don't tell the story to ramp us up, but I was 28 on a salary of 30,000 a year. And we committed 10,000 a year. And you don't have to try and be me, but I am asking you, would you hear God and value the seed you have? I mean, even the, the smallest of categories, 1,500 families or couples or individuals, 1,200 a year. It's $23 a week. Actually, by the time you get your tax back, it's $15 a week. You go, I can't, I ain't got much. $15 a week. You can find wood for that. And we want you to pray about that this week because we've got an exciting new facility happening in Central that's going to release us financially to do what God's called us. In fact, even the slides quickly, as you go through the slides on the screen, Central is going to be a well place. It's going to provide, come on, so much for so many people. It's going to make a difference, the foyers, the entrance. In fact, today, what I want to encourage you to do is, even if you didn't know it, after the service, 
Again, north and south. Would you get in your cars here at Central? We're going to go two streets over and we're going to with vivid pens right onto the walls and prophesy into the future of what God's going to do in our city and nation. I want everybody to do it, to go over there. Hundreds of people already written there, written their kids' names. For Osh, unfortunately, if you have kids that are younger than primary age, they will not be allowed to go. So some of the parents have teamed up. and Some of them are standing on the outside of the property as a couple go in, and then they come back and look after the kids, and the other couple goes in. But we're all writing our names on it. And I just want to encourage you, be a part, come on, of creating a legacy. I want you to look at me and online you're as much part of this to pray into it. You go, how, how could a little church in New Zealand raise that kind of money in three and a half years? We can do anything that God's standing on top of. And I believe there will be an echo because of our obedience that will encourage globally the church to do what she's been called to do. I'm going to ask you to pray about this week you can already get an envelope for next Sunday when we're going to collect the offering in the foyer. If you want to get one this week and really take it and lay your hands on it. Again, next week we'll be passing those around, but we encourage you, come on, to believe God. Can we pray? And can we thank God for what He's doing? Father, we just thank You that You're positioning us in a time in history where You are asking us to hear from You. For some of us, it seems fearful, but fear only comes what's, from what's attached to the natural. Faith comes from the supernatural. And God, we just pray that you would guide us and we'd have the strength to say yes, to be obedient so that others would stand because of the foundation that we laid in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.